This just in, another episode of Midwesterners, where we're going to bring you all of the news. I am Chad Coffin. And I'm Brian Stoffel. Welcome back again for another week of your Midwestern Nerds. Real quick, we are the Midwestern Nerds. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. We are at Midwestern Nerds on Twitter and Instagram. We're Midwestern Nerds at gmail.com. The Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook. The bevy of streaming sites you can find us at are Apple, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Downcast, Pocket Cast, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Please rate and review us. It helps us a ton, whatever platform you're on. Please make sure you subscribe. Please make sure that your sister and your best friend and your uncle are subscribed and they leave us reviews because every little bit helps. As you heard in the intro here, folks, we are doing a news-heavy episode, and when it comes to the news, there's only one man in America that we trust for the nerdy news, and that is the Bry Man, the B-Stuff, the star of the best stuff. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was Bry, Brian Stoffel. Thank you for that introduction, Chad. We as unnecessary as it was. <laughs> We actually weren't planning on recording an episode for this week due to the holidays and whatnot. We were going to give you guys another Doomsday Pod episode. Doomsday Files. But there was quite a bit of Warner Brothers news that came out that was big. And I was like, I'd really like to talk about this, but we don't necessarily need to. And then... Disney decided that they were going to just whip out their ginormous dick and blow their entire load all over the world for the next, like, how many years? News so big that I was like, we need to do an episode this week, even if it's just about news. And that's what we're doing. This is what happens when you have investors who unload tons and tons of money into your company. They want to see what you have to offer, and that's what Disney was doing for it. They were putting on their dog and pony show, for all the people who give them money. This is just when you're Disney and you're like, we own the world and here's how. Who runs the world? Disney. <laughs> they do. They do. But before we get into that Disney news, like I said, there is a bit of Warner Brothers news to talk about. There's a bit of HBO Max news to talk about. So let's dive right into it. The past few weeks, I've been trying to inform you all about the new movies that are going to be dropping on HBO Max. And every time that we try to do it, I end up cutting it out because some new bit of news came out. Now it's finally to the point where I feel like I can safely, for now, announce what I want to announce and what I would like to talk to you all about. And that is Warner Brothers revealed that every single one of their new movies that they plan to release in 2021, they are going to be both releasing them in theaters and on HBO Max the same day. Warner Brothers 
is planning to release 17 movies next year. All of them are going to be available on HBO Max on day one. As far as I know, there's not an extra cost. There wasn't for Wonder Woman. And I don't think there has been an additional cost announced for any of these other ones. So that could change. The list of movies that Warner Brothers is coming out with next year is as follows. The Little Things, Judas and the Black Messiah, Tom and Jerry, The Many Saints of Newark, Reminiscence, Godzilla vs. King Kong, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, In the Heights, Space Jam, A New Legacy, The Suicide Squad, Dune, King Richard, The Matrix 4, Mortal Kombat, Malignant, Those Who Wish Me Dead, and Cry Macho. There are so many movies in that list. A lot of big ones that we've heard about. Some sleepers like Mortal Kombat. I didn't know that they were coming out with a new Mortal Kombat movie. Guess it's coming out next year. And it'll be fine because nothing could possibly be worse than the other Mortal Kombat movie that exists. (laughs) Space Jam. All these movies will be readily available to you on HBO Max. That sounds like some really good news. There's a lot of fans that are happy about it, but there's also quite a bit of people that are not happy about it. A lot of the directors that are involved with these movies have come out and spoken out about how this came out of nowhere. Warner Brothers didn't announce this news or talk about this news with any of the creative teams that helped bring these movies together before they made this announcement. The studios like Legendary and like some of those smaller studios that had a lot of say in these movies, they didn't tell that they were doing this move until they announced it to the entire world. But why does it matter, though? Like, why do they need to know? They're suddenly get paid, right? Not as much. Oh, so are their a contracts lot... like contingent on sales afterwards? Yes. A lot of Hollywood movies, the directors, the actors, they take pretty significant pay cuts to get these movies made on the contingent that they're going to make that money back in the box office. Oh, for sure. But if you release it the same day on a streaming service where if you have your $14 a month subscription and don't have to pay more, how are you expecting to make that money back? A movie like Suicide Squad that anticipated on making like millions, if not close to a billion dollars in the box office, now has to rely on the $14.99 a month that maybe one person in your household, in like three households, if you share your HBO Max account. And a lot of big movie directors have come out and have made some pretty uh, big statements about this. One of them being Christopher Nolan. The very first day that this was announced, he pretty much went to all the news sources and trash-talked Warner Brothers on this decision. He first went to The Hollywood Reporter and said, Some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking that they were working for the greatest movie studio, and woke up the next day to find out that they were working for the worst streaming service. Warner Brothers has an incredible machine for getting a filmmaker's work out everywhere, both in theaters and in the home, and they are dismantling it as we speak. They don't even understand what they are losing. 
Their decision makes no economic sense. And even the most casual Wall Street investor can see the difference between disruption and dysfunction. The big chunk of that is calling Warner Brothers like the best movie studio and then working for the worst streaming service. Big blow there. There's a lot of jargon that was kind of in that last statement, but an easier to understand statement that he also made to USA Today was, The decision they made from a business point of view is fundamentally irrational. With the 2021 movies, they made a bit of a mess and upset a lot of people. Because the great filmmakers and movie stars in these movies, none of them were consulted. The studio, in its arrogance, let them read about it in the trades. Which, again, is kind of... That I will give you. That's... To get blindsided, that's like basically, you know, the company I work for, right? I go to bed the night before thinking we're the best at what we do with this. I wake up the next morning. Oh, we sold you to so-and-so. And it's like, okay, this 30 brick and mortars with over eight to 9,000 people working there now are owned by some crapshoot of an offshore whatever because they decided that I guess it makes sense. Yeah, that would be awful. And then for those people who really put in all that work and all that effort and all that time, people taking pay cuts, people like being overseas and shooting and filming, and then you turn around and find out, oh, and hey, remember that paycheck that you were going to make of one point whatever you know million dollars because of your billion dollar movie? Yeah, it's going to be about five hundred thousand, which again is still a lot of money. But hindsight's twenty twenty because if you really look at it from our standpoint, it's like going into work and working forty hours a week for six months and then them saying hey remember that money we promised you you're getting a half half it's half, like maybe, I mean, if even less than half it's like, like you accepting a job and agreeing that you're gonna make twenty dollars an hour and then they come back to you and they're like actually you're gonna make five dollars minimum an hour. wage 725 or 750 after you've already put in the three months of work yeah I mean, at the end of the day, I guess production companies and things like that, at the end of the day, they're going to do whatever they want. They're going to do what they decide to do because if they have the contracts that say we make the final decision on X, Y, Z, we can do what we want. As long as we're not going to get into legal trouble, they're going to do whatever they want. They're already getting into legal trouble, though. Like Legendary, which I mentioned, they paid for like 75% of Godzilla vs. King Kong. Warner Brothers paid for like 25%. They're like already lawyering up to sue because now they're not going to be making that money because Warner Brothers really didn't have the right to be like, we're going to be putting this on streaming. Right, because they basically took that 75% pot that Legendary was getting and turned it into 10% of what they thought they were getting. Oh my. Yeah, a lot of big stuff is happening. A lot of big and important people are not happy about this. So far, as far as this recording of this episode is, all these movies are getting released on HBO Max, same day as release, with no additional cost. If you know somebody who works for Warner Brothers, you better warn a brother. (laughs) They're about to be broke. I just want to read one more quote before we go into the more fun news. This is from Denis Villeneuve, who is the director of Dune. That's coming out. This was supposed to be another one of Warner Brothers like big, big blockbusters of what was supposed to have been this year. 
this was a movie that they expected to be a billion dollar movie franchise because this was supposed to be part one of a two part story. And now the director went to Variety and wrote like a huge statement that they published pretty much like addressing Warner Brothers. We'll post the link to the exact article on our social media. I'm just going to read like a chunk of it. But it's it's pretty interesting stuff that he talks about. And it's an interesting point of view from a director here. He's very afraid that this movie's not going to make enough money to tell that second part because of it going to streaming. And the statement starts, I learned the news that Warner Brothers has decided to release Dune on HBO Max at the same time as our theatrical lease, using prominent images from our movie to promote their streaming service. With this decision, AT&T, which owns Warner Brothers, has hijacked one of the most respectable and important studios in film history. There is absolutely no love for cinema, nor for the audience here. It is all about the survival of a telecom mammoth one that is currently bearing an astronomical debt of more than $150 billion. Therefore, even though Dune is about cinema and audience, AT&T is about its own survival on Wall Street. With HBO Max launch a failure thus far, AT&T decided to sacrifice Warner Brothers' entire 2021 slate in a desperate attempt to grab the audience's attention. Warner Brothers' sudden reversal from being a legacy home for filmmakers to the new era of complete disregard draws a clear line for me. Filmmaking is a collaboration reliant on the mutual trust of teamwork, and Warner Brothers has declared that they are no longer on the same team. This guy is a big-time director, and you get big-time directors like him and Christopher Nolan, who is like, arguably Warner Brothers top money making director to call out against your studio you're going to get to the point where people aren't going to want to work for you well like you said it's not just the big i mean it's big two big names but it's not just the big names like if it was a couple guys who were outspoken against this plan they squash it their Warner Brothers are like okay fine see you your movie's dead you're dead goodbye see you you're gone but when you have Guys like this, like leaders in the industry who take up the charge, like Nolan, Denis Villeneuve, Denis um, Villeneuve. James Gunn for <clears throat> the Suicide Squad. He also talked about how angry and disappointed he was about, again, not being consulted before the announcement was made, like going in thinking that, you know, they were going to be having a full theatrical release to then find out, oh, it's going to be thrown on streaming. Uh, that last movie that I named in the list, Cry Macho, is a Clint Eastwood movie, like another big director that I'm sure is not happy about this. So here are your generals that are going to lead the charge. If these guys are going to come in here and like lead the charge with this, you're going to get all the other actors, all the other EPs, all the other guys who are on these movies that are pissed about it too. They now have their leaders. They now have a reason to get behind this. I don't know what Warner Brothers thought in the first place was going to be good about this move. But now with all these people being so upset, yeah, I think it's going to destroy them in the long run. Especially when, too, which I didn't even talk about yet, but for Wonder Woman 1984, they addressed Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot about bringing it to HBO Max the same day. 
and they gave them each like a $10 million pay. That's what they should have done for all these other movies, but then they didn't. Right. They should have taken care of them. So again, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. If it stays true to the course that they said that they were going to, if things change, if they decide to do like a premium charge, like Disney plus did with Mulan where, yeah, you can watch it on that streaming, but you're going to have to pay like 30 bucks to watch it or something like that. It'll be interesting to see how that moves forward. And especially with like our climate right now with COVID and whatnot and how things are going to go with that. And now into our big D news of Disney. Past week, there was a call to investors that Disney made. It was kind of like their version of Comic-Con D23 this year since everyone couldn't really do all those things because of COVID. This was a call that they made out to their investors, letting them know what they are getting for their money. And Disney pretty much announced that they're getting everything. Everything for their money. Everything that you hoped for, that you wished for, that you didn't even know you wanted, you're going to be getting. We're going to talk about a lot of it, a big chunk of it. We're mostly going to talk about the Star Wars and Marvel news, but we are going to touch on some of the Disney content, like Disney in general content that they announced as well. There's an article that links to a bunch of other different articles that we got most of this information from that we will share on our social medias for anybody listening who wants to know more about these things. Otherwise, you can take that time to reach out to your favorite Midwestern nerds to ask us the questions and we will get the answers to you. You just got to reach out to us first. So to start off, we're going to talk about a series that really isn't Disney, but it's owned by Disney now because it used to be Fox. Alien is coming out with a TV series on FX and Hulu from the Fargo creator Noah Hawley. Ridley Scott is in talks to executive produce, and it is going to be the first Aliens story on screen that takes place on Earth. That's about all the information that was announced with that. Me being an Alien fan, I'm excited to see that come to the mall screen. And from Fargo, I've heard nothing but good things about, especially when you bring in that creator. You're going to get a decent cast and you're going to get some good storytelling in there as well. I was sure we were going to see Aliens on Planet Earth in 2020. So I'm just glad to see it'll be on the screen and not in in my real life. And that's about the only like non-really DC feeling content they announced. So let's jump into our like Disney Disney content. Let's whip out the D, the D plus. Buzz Lightyear is getting a prequel movie about the astronaut Buzz Lightyear, not the toy. And it's going to be a movie by Pixar starring Chris Evans as our new Buzz Lightyear. One captain to another captain. (laughs) Again, something that I didn't think that I needed, but now you announce that and you announce Chris Evans and I'm curious to see what they do with it. Why not? Heading Buzz Lightyear back to Star Command, back to the Academy. Let's see what he brings. Let's see. Moana and Tiana are both getting their own musical Disney Plus shows. Some exciting news for you Disney princesses out there. I think it's interesting that they're taking like 
the musical movie concept and they're going to now extend it into a show for both Moana and Tiana, who is the princess from um, Princess and the Frog. Yes, for anybody out there who didn't know that. I got nieces. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) There is going to be a live action remake of Pinocchio that's going to be starring Tom Hanks and Peter Pan that's also coming to Disney+. Plus. That donkey scene is going to be horrifying. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, they got to leave that out, right? They can't put it in there. That would be so weird. I feel like they're probably going to leave it out. The only way that I could see that being left in is if you would have brought back Tim Burton to direct this one as well. Because we all know how the live-action Dumbo movie went. Yeah. It got a little too dark and weird. Yeah, that as even as a kid, like the animated really tweaked me out as a kid. So to do that live-action... But you got Tom Hanks, so, I mean... As Geppetto, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's not I mean, gonna, that's something. It's not going to save me from the donkey scene all over again. The one out of those two that I was like, ugh, really? Another one was Peter Pan. How many live action Peter Pan movies have we gotten to the like at we this point? We can be point? done. We had Hook. We can be done. Exactly. Hook was great. It was amazing. We're done. Okay? Leave it alone. You even rebirthed him in um Once Upon a Time, the TV show. You birthed Pan and Hook just enough. Plus there was that one Peter Pan movie that came out. I remember I was in middle school cuz we had to watch that for some reason that i can't think of and then there was the the weird one with hugh jackman where they did like uh smells like teen spirit and i was like what is going on here (laughs) let's be done that's one we can just be done with absolutely this was the most exciting news that i found out of like the disney portion of the investors call chippendale rescue rangers chippendale Rescue Rangers! Yes, it's coming back for a animated, real-life hybrid movie with John Mulaney being our Chip and Andy Samberg being our Dale. Yeah. I couldn't think of two better actors to play these characters. Super excited. This is being reimagined by Lonely Island's Akiva Schaefer. He's the one that's writing and directing this movie. It's the hybrid animated live action movie. It is set in a world where the cartoon characters exist alongside humans and the cartoon characters are trying to remain relevant in a computer graphics dominated world. This sounds like who Framed Roger Rabbit meets Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and I am 130% for it. I have one question, and it's the only question anybody should be asking. Who's going to voice Gidget? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I don't know, but one additional tack on that they made with this announcement is that Seth Rogen is attached to this project as well. Don't know in what form, what sense, but he's also going to be a part of the movie. He's voicing that big fat rat, I bet. What's his name? That's what I was thinking. I It's been so long since I've seen those 
that show. But we it's... started watching it again in this house because with, with Disney Plus and stuff, yep. I turn it on Chippendale. So nice. Oh, I, I just, used to love that show as a I kid. Just remember me, seven year old me had a really weird a fixation with like female, uh, like animated animal characters. So like <laughs> Lola Bunny, <laughs> Gidget. They did it on purpose. They trapped us that way. I mean, I was a kid. I didn't know any better. But, like, they bring in, like, Scarlett Johansson to do her sultry, sexy voice for Gidget. <laughs> we have weird feelings about 20-something-year-olds. And that is the amount of Disney content that I really wanted to talk about. I didn't know. I don't know if you wanted to add anything to, like, the Disney portion of things. No, I think you locked her down. Awesome. So now we can jump into the things that we all want to talk about. Let's start we'll off. actually care about. <laughs> Let's start off with the Star Wars news. We got a lot of big news and a lot of good news. In case you weren't aware, Mandalorian is greenlit for a third season. On top of that... Mandalorian is greenlit for a third season before the second season ever started. It's true. They didn't even air the first episode. They were already greenlit for a third. It's true. Which... I'm kind of disappointed that we knew that news so soon because watching the Mandalorian where we're at right now, if you wouldn't have told me that they were greenlit for a third season, I could, I could have seen the end of the show being at season two. I would burn Disney to the ground if they ended the Mandalorian after this season. But that being said, I can see it going for three and then being done because of what we're about to talk about that was announced. I think they in Favreau we trust and Dave Filoni as well, but they're go- about to become very very busy. I think they do a good job, and, and maybe this is a tangent. The, the Mandalorian does a really good job of telling a story that literally at any moment could end and start somewhere else, or you leave it off. Like that's what Star Wars I think has done for a long time is like been able to stop at any moment and leave it alone, and then they leave us guessing like, oh, what are we going to do now? What's going to be next? This chair squeaks one more fucking time. God damn it. Do you want this chair? No, I'm going <laughs> to kneel. You're going to be kneeling for a long episode. Blow my knees up. <laughs> I'm kneeling for Disney's giant D+. Um, yeah, I think that's what's great about The Mandalorian, too, is that The Mandalorian could go on for 10 seasons, or it could be done tomorrow, and the story would make sense. It absolutely could. Me, personally, I feel like it is starting to reach that climactic point, especially with where the second to last episode of season two is right now, which is where we are at currently at recording this episode. It feels like we're introducing these shows that we're about to talk about as like this is kind of like their their soft like pilot launch. And we're starting to wrap up this story with Mando and Baby Yoda. I'm all for a third season. I'm all for season up to season 10, however long they want to go. But right now, if you wouldn't have announced a season three, I probably would have guessed that we're going to be coming to a wrap up pretty soon. And here's why. And here's why. Ahsoka, Chad's favorite Star Wars character... And a very warm, welcomed addition to season two of Mandalorian is getting her own show from Favreau and Filoni, and Rosario Dawson is returning to portray Ahsoka. 
anything attached to Favreau is always great. I think the thing that's really cool about Dave Filoni, as you guys know, he did Avatar The Last Airbender, which I love. He did The Clone Wars, which I love. With him doing The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, he has literally been a part of Ahsoka Tano from start, and I don't want to say finish, but start until current. Like, he has been a part of every single step. He even wrote and directed the episode of Mandalorian that Ahsoka Tano was in. And then he's going to be, you know, one of the guys on Ahsoka. It, it, it makes me excited. He's the guy who's basically like Ahsoka has been his little baby that he's watched grow over the years. And now is a full fledged, I don't want to say Jedi, she's a gray, but that's neither here nor there. But just a full fledged grown force being that now you can really see full fledged in her own TV series, which I think is going to just be amazing. They announced that. This is being brought by both Favreau and Filoni, but I would say that Filoni's probably going to be more of the showrunner here than Favreau. It's probably going to be like, hey, I need help with this plot point. You got any ideas? And that'll be Favreau's involvement. Favreau's Mandalorian guidance. Exactly. They also announced a new show that's called Rangers of the New Republic, also brought to us by Favreau and Filoni and is set during the time period of The Mandalorian. And that's all that was announced so far. So again, that's three shows so far that both of those people are involved with. And that doesn't even include The Bad Batch, which is the animated series that takes place after Clone Wars that's also being brought to us by Dave Filoni. And that's focusing on a group of clone troopers. So the Bad Batch are a Bad Batch. They're a Bad Batch of clone troopers. I think they're Clone Troop 99 or something like that. They uh, appeared in the last season of the Clone Wars animated series that they put on Disney+. Plus. So you have like the eight seasons and then wait, 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 Disney+. Plus. Boom, here's the final season, which was an awesome final season. And the introduction to the Bad Batch was awesome as well. Who doesn't love a group of renegade, like, soldier-based characters? Like, it's always just cool to see. It's like a whole ragtag team of John Rambo's. Like, their leader even wears a red headband, which is which is sweet. Uh, to, so to see those guys get their own show, and the trailer just looked awesome. And one of the things in the trailer, and it's not really a spoiler because it's just a trailer, it's a teaser, it looks as if this The Bad Batch were unaffected by Order 66. So it looks like they're going to head into their own realm of troubles and problems with the whole new empire and them being technically clone troopers, now stormtroopers, that are still good guys technically, and and it's just a mess. So it's really exciting to see what they're going to be brought with that series. And again, with Filoni still following through, it's just, it's awesome. I think one of the strongest points about the Clone Wars animated series from what I've seen so far is when they focus on those smaller characters like the clone troopers and they give each and every one of them not only just a different look as far as like hairstyle goes Mm -hmm. but each and every one of them has a different personality where if they wouldn't have the same voice you wouldn't know that it's supposed to be like the same person no essentially that's one of the coolest things too i mean besides seeing ahsoka tano and besides seeing like really being able to see more of that development of evil in anakin one of the coolest parts is seeing that yeah those clone troopers in the movies were just i mean they're just 
guys with guns. They're suits with guns. That's all they ever were. But the show gives you guys like Echo, Commander Cody, like these guys really matter. These individual clones really make, they're, they're different people. They're, they give them a voice. They give them an identity that you never see them have in the movies, which again is shown even more so in the Bad Batch because they're, they don't look the same. They don't act the same. So I couldn't be more excited for the show. We all knew that an Obi-Wan Kenobi series was coming. What we didn't know is that Hayden Christensen, who played Anakin in episodes two and three, is now coming back as Darth Vader. Spoiler, Brian! I guess it's 20 years, so it's not technically a spoiler. I think we all knew it. I don't know, if you If you cared enough, our, our, you knew. Our fan base of 12 people might not know <laughs> that. If you cared enough, you knew. If not... I guess now you know. Um, Brian's like, if not, go fuck yourself. <laughs> We're moving on. I'm really curious to see how he's going to be coming back. If it's going to be through flashbacks that kind of flesh out Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship more during the Clone Wars or even like during training. Or they said that he's returning as Darth Vader. So then... I would assume that they're going to have another face-off. Which, if you talk storytelling canon-wise, I don't quite know how that fits in. Because when I watch A New Hope, and that battle between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, whenever I watch that, I feel like that's like the first time that they've met since Mustafar. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, if Vader knew that Obi-Wan was alive, and like, doing stuff like he would be hunting him down to kill him what do you think and in that amount of time he could have tracked him down to Tatooine, which would have tracked him down to luke exactly and i feel like that just like you said attaching to luke they always talk about how your thoughts and feelings betray you like the jedi and the sith like you would think that anakin would figure that out like because Obi-Wan is like, oh, crap, I can't let him know that his kid's alive. Oh, my kid's alive. So I don't I don't quite know how that's going to work. Am I excited to see him back in the role? Absolutely. I just don't know how they're going to do that interaction and pull it off. But they must have an idea since they've announced him. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see. More Star Wars shows. All of the Star Wars shows were announced. Andor, which is focusing on Cassian Andor from Rogue One, who is played by Diego Luna. He is returning for that role, and it's kind of focusing on this character's rise to like the Rebels, is what I'm getting from it. It kind of feels like this spy thriller thrown into a Star Wars world. There wasn't a whole lot of information given. There was a trailer that they dropped, but that was more like behind the scenes of, hey, here's our sets that we're building and here's our cool costumes that we're going to have. And I'm curious to see where this goes, but his character was okay in Rogue One. I did have a pop of him that I sold that I feel like if this show is successful, I'm going to regret selling. That's how good of a character he was. Yep. You bought and sold this pop. (laughs) Lando is coming back in the TV series. They haven't announced 
who's going to be playing Lando. If it's going to be Donald Glover, if it's going to be Donald Glover, or if it's going to be the original Lando, all that we know is so far is that there's going to be a show. Somebody I heard talk about this. I liked their idea of old Lando kind of opening and closing the show and reminiscing about the good old days and then bringing back Donald Glover to be young Lando to have them both involved, I think would be a really cool idea. I think the show has to center around Donald Glover's Lando. I'm sorry. You cannot have an entire (laughs) show about some 65 year old man, Lando retired. It'd be the same thing if like, if what happened to Han Solo wouldn't have happened, it'd be like after the sequels, like, let's do a Han Solo show and not do young Han Solo. It's like, what is he doing? It also makes me question if they're going to recast the role, because I think it's interesting that they announced the show, but they didn't announce Donald Glover with it, Donald Glover or whoever. The fact that they didn't announce who's playing Lando makes me question if they are going to recast again. I'll, I'll say this, like, even though Hans, or Solo wasn't the most well-received movie, I love Donald Glover as young Lando. I thought he was really great in that role. He, oh, was, absolutely. he very much embodied that Lando character that we saw in the original trilogy. He was one of, if not the strongest part of that movie. I would agree with that. The Acrolyte is another show that was announced, and that's going to be based off of the High Republic era. I don't know much about this. That's about all that was announced announced for this show. So I guess time will tell. Star Wars Visions is going to be an anthology of anime shorts. This kind of reminds me of what they did with like The Matrix. They had this thing called the Animatrix that came out, was which was a bunch of like cartoon shorts that was done by like Japanese animators to tell like their own like single stories. This was, was Morbius in one of those. <laughs> I don't if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I never watched it, but I've heard good things about it, and this feels very similar to that. If you love droids, you're gonna love this. A droid story. Is an animated series that's following C-3PO, R2-B2, and a new droid. You think it's the black R2-D2 unit? (laughs) Is it like R6-381 or something like that? Oh, I thought you were talking about in Family Guy when Cleveland is R2-D2. No, no, not racially black. No, there's a... There's it's a really obscure part. He literally has one minute of screen time during I think it's like Return or something like that. But it's like he looks exactly like R two D two, but he's black and gold instead of white and blue. Oh, the reason that I reference that is because there's that episode in Comic Book Man in season two where that guy built an Xbox three sixty and a projector screen into oh yeah yeah yep. R two unit, and they're like, who's gonna want a black R two? <laughs> I remember Walt when they first <laughs> probably wouldn't have worked in twenty twenty, but I remember um. When he comes in with that, he goes, oh, we don't serve your droid kind here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 2005? Fine. 2020? No. And the last big bit of Star Wars news that was announced, 
Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984, is directing a Rogue Squadron movie. The cool thing about this that I didn't know about until I watched like the little announcement trailer that they made was her dad was a fighter pilot. So this is very much in her background. And she wanted to tell like a fighter pilot story, but never came across the right story or property to tell it in. But now that Star Wars is like, here you go. And I guess she's like a huge Star Wars fan. All the more excited for this. And that was all of the Star Wars news that was announced. Chad, which one of that bit of news are you the most excited for? Well, that's not entirely true, though. Because there was a couple more shows that were announced, too. Oh, was there? Yep. Children of Blood and Bone, Willow, and... Nope, you got the other ones. Children of Blood and Bone and Willow were announced as well. Also alongside an Indiana Jones movie. There's, these three especially have had nothing linked with them. It was basically like, look at these names up here on this screen. So we'll see what comes of those. I don't think you have to ask me which one I'm most excited about. I was so stoked to finally see my favorite Star Wars character in live action. And now I find out I'm going to get a whole TV show over. Done by two of my favorite ever director, TV runner, whatever it may be. I couldn't be more excited for Ahsoka. What about you, Brian? Out of all of that bit of news, I think either the Rogue Squadron movie, just because like I always found X-Wing fighters to be like super cool, so then to have a movie that's focused on them. The Obi-Wan news we kind of knew about, other than the Darth Vader, that was like the only new bit of news. So I can't really say that. But yeah, I would say then Ahsoka. I loved what they did with her in that episode. I've only gotten through season one of Clone Wars so far. I'm assuming that she gets better because I found her to be very annoying in season one. So I'm excited to see the growth of that character. And it's been kind of cool to see kind of like the beginning of the end point for that character, I would say, in uh, Mandalorian season two. And it's going to be fun to see that gap close once I get through Clone Wars and Rebels. And then where they go from there. If I started sounding weird in the last five minutes, it's because my squeaky chair got thrown across <laughs> the Fortress of Solid Dude, and now I'm sitting on the floor next to Brian. I feel like a toddler at the Thanksgiving Day table. <laughs> you look like a toddler. Just, <laughs> just barely my mouth is over the top of the ridge of the table, so hopefully everything still sounds good, and we'll, we'll fix it in post, as they say. And now for the moment that you've all been waiting for, that I've been waiting for... The Marvel news, the Marvel portion of this investor's call gave us so much information. I watched this announcement as Kevin Feige went through and did it all. And the big thing that I took away from this was you really had to read between the lines of what Kevin Feige was saying to really kind of get hints as to things that he's not announcing, but kind of announcing all at the same time. The first thing that they open this up with is the final trailer for WandaVision. And they announced that it is coming to Disney Plus. 
on January 15th. So we have a couple weeks in between the end of Mandalorian to kind of sit and wait before we get some new good content, which is going to be WandaVision. You could just rewatch Mandalorian. You could. You could. You could. This is going to be tied into Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness because Wanda is going to be appearing in that movie along with the new character American Chavez, which is played by Jodel Gomez. This movie is predicted to drop into theaters on March 25th, 2022. I say predicted because with COVID right now, who knows when these movies are going to come out, how they're going to come out, if they are going to come out on those same dates. But I will read you the dates that were provided to us as we go along. Like I said, this is going to connect to WandaVision and also the new Spider-Man movie, which... Again, when I said you really kind of have to read between the lines of what Feige's saying and not saying, all of the rumors about Spider-Verse and Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire coming back into the new Spider-Man movie and that it's going to be a live-action Spider-Verse movie with pretty much all the cast of the original Spider-Man trilogy and the Amazing Spider-Man 2 movies, you can kind of make those rumors more solid with that announcement of, yeah, Spider-Man is going to be affected by the multiverse of madness. I saw a post today on Twitter that said, do I need to see Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 1, and 2 before I see Spider-Man 3? <laughs> yes. Yes. The answer is yes. The thing, too, is that we'll see exactly what's going to happen in the WandaVision show. The trailers have been not misleading, but very confusing. If you guys know, basically the the rumor around the show or what they're saying the show is going to be about is basically, it's basically Wanda's collapse after Vision's death and she creates like a bubble where she can live with him again. But in the trailers, you see it like snapping through like different decades and things like that. And it leads us to really believe that her lack of control of her powers and things like that and her lack of like and again, this could just be me speaking for myself. Brian could be like, you're totally off base. But Vision getting outside of that bubble, the bubble tweaking every now and again, it goes from black and white to color. It goes from the 50s to the 60s to the 70s to the 80s. Some of the characters are interacting with other characters in really weird ways. Like, it just seems like there's a lot going on. And like you said, with her linking to the multiverse of madness, the rumor behind that is, is she's going to play some form of a villain in that movie where she's going to kind of go dark side with her Scarlet Witch powers. It's happened in the books before. Um, if you're not familiar, Wanda oftentimes in the books does have troubles controlling her powers, which then can lead to um, her being at odds with the Avengers. Like, Well, and it's never helped that she's, been the daughter of magneto the whole time so you know exactly she's meaning to do well she sometimes follows in his footsteps which causes problems for her as self anyways again this isn't how this is running right now because as of right now the x-men still don't exist in, in the mar the mcu so this is completely separate but again this character has gotten herself in trouble more times than than not it's again going to be very interesting to see where that goes the big thing that I took out of it was, again, the Spider-Man tie-in. Because 
all this past week i was like these are just rumors these are just rumors like that would be very cool to see all three of those people come back to be in that movie but they're rumors not only just all of these rumors coming out but then to have kevin feige being like nope spider-man is connected to the multiverse of madness that's like hmm well we keep saying rumors no, let's give the people a little bit more. Let's give... I mean, you have that later. I don't want to step on your toes here. You got Spider-Man news later? Should I leave it alone or should we talk about it? We could talk about it. This was kind of like the portion where... Because that this is the only time they mentioned that movie. So, obviously, Tom Holland is back. Obviously, Zendaya is back. Obviously, John Favreau is going to be back. Happy Hogan. Uh, Melissa Tomei is AMA. But the rumors circling around this movie are... From Spider-Man 1, Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, and then uh, Molina, what's uh, Edward Molina or Alfred Molina as Doc Ock? Yep, from Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2. Um, Willem Dafoe came out. That rumor came out this week, too. So him and the Sandman are the newest rumors. They're like the, I would say, the least concrete rumors. Uh, The second batch of rumors is, and it actually started with Jamie Foxx, from Electro as Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man. He's come out and said it. Like Correct. Marvel hasn't made really officially made that announcement, but he has announced everywhere that he's going to be back yeah. as Electro. Rumors that include also Andrew Garfield and um, Emma Stone reprising their roles of Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. And then with the reversion of uh, all the Netflix uh, Marvel properties back to Marvel, the other rumor and news is that uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil and Matt Murdock will also be appearing in this movie. They took Into the Spider-Verse and ran a million miles an hour into live action with this, and that's exactly what I see in this movie. If every single one of those rumors is true... That's going to be one expensive movie just for casting alone. They can afford it. (laughs) They could flop and make no money, and they're still like, "Eh, we tried. I feel like the Tobey Maguire and the Alfred Molina, I feel like those are true. The Kirsten Dunst and Willem Dafoe and the Sandman guy, I think those could be wishy-washy. I think Andrew Garfield and Jamie Foxx, I feel like those two are concrete. Again, Emma Stone, I feel like, could be wishy-washy. Daredevil, I want to talk about later. Because I feel like he is coming, but I don't think it's going to be Spider-Man. I think it's going to be in something else that I'm going to talk about soon. Because of a little tack-on that Kevin Feige made at the end of an announcement. Sure. And and last but not least, they also have uh, rumored that um, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange will appear in this as well. Yes, that they have rumored about. They did say that Spider-Man is supposed to come in December of 2021. So one year, not too long to wait if COVID lets it happen. And if any of these things are true, as much as our wish list for things like to exist in in the world together, I really think that Doctor Strange should play more of a part in the Spider-Man movies because he always has in the comics, in the TV shows. He is right down the road on Bleecker Street from where Peter Parker's school and house and everything are. They are New York natives. They always interacted all the time in comics. I want him to be a part of that movie, but I don't want the rumors of him being like, 
his new mentor of Tony, like Tony Stark was. I don't want those rumors to be true. I want him to exist the exact same way he always existed, where like Spider-Man's like, holy crap, there's like a super mystical, magical thing that I don't know anything about and I can't handle. Let me go get Doctor Strange. And then he comes and helps. Yep. Otherwise, Spidey handles his own. He takes care of his own business. He doesn't need another father figure. He had Uncle Ben. We gave you a pass on Tony. We don't need a third one. He's yep, a, not giving you another you know, pass with a third he's one. He's an adult. We're, he's fine. So that's all the Spider-Man news that was announced. Literally just connected to WandaVision and Multiverse of Madness, and that it's coming out in December 2021. After the Doctor Strange news, they jumped right into one of the ones that I'm most excited about, and that's Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They gave us a new trailer with this. Kevin Feige flat out said this is a full movie that's played out into six hour-long episodes. And the little bit of interviewing that Sebastian Stan did over the past week, too, where he talked about um, his experience filming this. He compared it to uh, filming The Winter Soldier, which was, for him, like the best experience of his career just because of how much depth that movie went into and how much character building that movie went into. And it sounds like this TV show is going to be doing a lot of that as well. Bucky Barnes is one of my favorite Marvel characters. I have a huge passion for him. I'm excited to see more of him and I'm excited to see how they have both Falcon and Winter Soldier trying to keep the shield from U.S. Agent as well. This is going to be coming out on March 19th on Disney+. Plus. So only three months to wait. I can do it. Can you, though? It's going to be very difficult, but I can do it. Black Widow has a new release date of May 7th, 2021. I think it's kind of crazy that that got delayed over a year because of the world that we live in. So I'm not going to hold my breath. Pretty much. Everyone was expecting an announcement like Wonder Woman, where it was just going to be thrown on Disney Plus. And a lot of people were expecting like the Mulan route too, of like a premium $30 pay. I would have been fine with that, I think. I mean, as the year progressed and the possibility of getting to see some movies, I really kind of sat back and I was like, do I want to risk going to the theater for that? Black Widow was kind of on the line for me for that. I I didn't, part of me wanted to, but I knew realistically I probably wouldn't. And I feel like if this gets pushed again because of COVID. Well, it's not a continuation movie. No. We're not getting phase four. It's a backstory. We know how this character's story ends. Exactly. It's already done. Exactly. From there, they went into the Loki TV show, a TV show that I never expected to happen. And now that we've got some footage from it, I'm excited, but I'm also confused at the same time. There was a lot of weird stuff going on in that trailer, including Owen Wilson, which... Unrecognizable. Unrecognizable is the word for it, because... The whole time I was like, who are you? You sound like Owen Wilson, but you look nothing like him. Like clean cut hair, white hair, a 
mustache. Well, and they shoot it from an angle where you can't see his nose directly. So that you're like, too. his nose looks fine. That can't be Owen Wilson. And I didn't hear him say wow once. <laughs> Kevin Feige penned this as a crime thriller through time. This is going to be dropping in May of 2021 on Disney Plus as well. Something that I've kind of read on the internet, people say that they claim to have seen a quick shot of Black Widow in like the soul realm. I saw it. Did you? Yep. It was one of the things that I said to somebody when I was talking about it. I was like, I could be wrong, but do you remember the scene in Endgame or not Endgame, but Infinity War when Thanos like kills Gamora? And he goes to the, and he sits up and like that, like stone kind of like Stonehenge kind of situation. I remember seeing, yeah. Gamora there, but there's a scene where there's like a stone kind of bench with that kind of color system. And there's a, like a redheaded woman in black sitting on the bench. Hmm. If you go back and watch it, it's there and it's very interesting. Which is also interesting, too, because they decided to talk about that immediately after talking about the Black Widow movie. Again, read between the lines. That's that's what I did throughout this whole announcement. From there, we went into What If, which is the MCU's first animated project. If you don't know what What If is, What If is taking things that we've seen already and putting a different perspective on them. So like an example being what if uh, Peggy Carter got the super soldier serum instead of uh, Steve Rogers. The interesting one that I took out of this was what if Yandu instead of picking up Peter Quill picked up T'Challa from Wakanda to be. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, that did sound like Chadwick Boseman. So is that like one of his final projects that he did? They announced that a lot of the original cast of these characters did return, but they didn't say who. But it did sound to me a lot like Chadwick Boseman. That to me was the most interesting looking scenarios out of the ones that they showed in the trailer. That one's supposed to be coming sometime in the summer next year. You didn't prefer Zombie Cap? Uh, I don't know. It was fine. 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 Next up is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Or as Kevin Feige pronounced it, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The Ten Rings being... Not only the terrorist organization that was from Iron Man 1, but also in the comics, the source of the Mandarin, the real true Mandarin's powers. It'll be interesting to see if he makes an appearance some way, shape, or form, the Mandarin in that movie. That is officially going to be the first movie of Phase 4. So Black Widow is still part of Phase 3. And then... Shang-Chi is going to be the first part of Phase 4. And that movie is predicted so far to come out in July 9th of 2021. Ms. Marvel is also a show that's coming to Disney Plus in the summer of 2021. They announced the casting of Ms. Marvel as Iman Vilani. The thing I found pretty funny about this 
is that people dug into her Twitter account and she did not like Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. <laughs> and if you know anything about Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel is Ms. Marvel's like idol. Like she loves Captain Marvel. That's her inspiration to become a superhero and to pick up Captain Marvel's old mantle of Ms. Marvel. So I think it's kind of funny that the actress that they chose to be Ms. Marvel did not like Brie Larson's portrayal as Captain Marvel in the Captain Marvel movie. I mean, she's not wrong. (laughs) But it also gets funny, too, because they announced immediately after Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel 2 coming out, which is going to be co-starring Ms. Marvel. Yep. And Monica Rambeau, who they are introducing into in the WandaVision show. So they're trying to find show you all the ways that they're trying to connect all these different movies and TV shows. And... Monica Rambeau was the friend of her in that movie. Right? Yes. For sure. I mean, they have to link it all together somehow. They have to have some continuity. But like we said before, the snap completely changed the game. The snap basically gave us the ability to change Monica Rambeau is her friend's daughter. Oh, so in the, the movie. Daughter, not so okay. now we're getting like an adult version of it. Okay, sure. Um. After Captain Marvel, they just they talked about the Eternals and basically just announced a new release date of November 5th, 2021. From there, they went to talk about the Hawkeye series. The next most anticipated for me Marvel property that's coming out. This is going to be released late 2021. They officially announced Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. If you've been watching the internet at all lately, you'll have seen all the set photos that have been leaked from filming of the show that had already confirmed Haley Steinfeld. But it's nice to get a confirmation from Kevin Feige himself. Amongst the cast that they announced for this show, they also announced Vera Farmiga, who played the love interest of... Leonardo DiCaprio in The Departed and also had a role in Bates Motel as the mom. So that actress. She is going to be Kate Bishop's mom, Eleanor Bishop, which is pretty big because a big part of Kate Bishop's like solo series in the comics is figuring out what happened to her mom. Because her mom disappears when she's young and she's trying to find where she went, what happened to her. So the fact that they're casting her to be in the show is pretty big. They also announced Alakwa Cox is going to be playing Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo. Echo in the comics is a Native American anti-hero who is deaf, which my guess is then they're going to be introducing Hawkeye, Clint Barton being deaf. But the interesting part about this casting is they casted a Native American actress who is also deaf. Hmm. So they're bringing everything in full circle. I'm super excited about this show. I've raved about the series, the comic series, quite a bit on this podcast so far. And I'm excited to see it brought to the live action screen. Do you think if they do a deaf or hearing impaired Clint Barton, do you think they go all in on it? You think they go and give the story from the comic? 
about how it happened? I hope so, or at least something close to it. Pretty crap. It is. He's got to lose it somehow. At least I hope so. Especially when you're bringing in, like, deaf people to help with that portion of the show. I think it's going to be very faithful to it. And I'm curious to see how they're going to portray that communication in the show. Next, they announced She-Hulk, another show coming to Disney+. Plus. They confirmed Tatiana Maslany now as Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk. That news came out a while ago, and then the actress was like, uh, no, no one's talked to me about it yet. But now they've officially like announced it. They also announced that Tim Roth is coming back as Abomination from the Incredible Hulk movie, as well as Mark Ruffalo being Hulk in the show as well. This is one of the big parts where I, I read between the lines of what Kevin Feige was saying without saying. When describing She-Hulk, he described her as a lawyer who works with superhero-specific cases. And in this series, you never know what Marvel characters are going to pop up. He didn't say MCU characters, he said Marvel characters. So that's why I think Daredevil or Matt Murdock Mm. is going to show up in the She-Hulk show as opposed to the Spider-Man show. An appearance from one mighty duck, Foggy Nelson, perhaps? Oh, I thought you were talking about Howard. Uh, (laughs) Foggy Nelson would be cool, too. I would love if that was MCU's introduction of we're going to continue Daredevil with this cast in some way, shape, or form. They can leave Karen and Netflix, though, in my opinion. (laughs) Then they talked about Moon Knight. The interesting thing about this announcement was they did not announce Oscar Isaac as Mark Spector, a.k.a. Moon Knight. They announced the director, but they did not talk about the casting of Moon Knight. So it was announced a while ago that Oscar Isaac was going to be playing Moon Knight. Maybe those, that deal hasn't quite worked its way out yet. I thought that it was confirmed before, but I guess it was just a rumor. I guess you're not going to say anything on Investor's Day that isn't 100% concrete. Very true. Uh, Secret Invasion was an announcement that I did not expect to hear at all. Nick Fury, Samuel Jackson, is coming back, as well as Ben Mendelsohn's Talos, who was the Skrull from from the Captain Marvel movie. Kevin Feige made a point to say that this is the biggest event since Civil War. So it's going to be interesting to see how big this TV series is, who they're all going to be bringing back, if they're going to be bringing back previous Marvel characters as Skrulls, or if they're going to be their actual characters. I'm very curious about this show and about this announcement. It seems very small, but big at the same time. Ironheart is a very new Marvel character. I would say probably two or three years old in the comics at this point. Uh, She's getting her own 
Disney Plus show as well. Riri Williams is the secret identity behind Ironheart. They casted Dominique Thorne. I've never heard of her, so I would say that she's an up-and-comer. She is a very smart young girl that gets a hold of Stark armor and kind of enhances it into her own. When she gets into the the full-on Ironheart mantle, she is listed as one of the top five uh, intellects in the Marvel Universe. Riri Williams is. So we have like a new, like, not only are we just taking another character and jamming her in a suit, kind of like James Rhodes. He just got a suit. Riri Williams is like the potentially predecessor to Stark, where she's a genius level intellect and now is going to take up the Iron uh, Man, but Iron Heart mantle. Then Kevin Feige made a point to say, too, that Ironheart will be tied to Secret Invasion as well as other MCU films. He didn't say what films, he just said other films. So she's definitely going to be appearing more than just the show. Exciting news. Uh, After that, they announced Armor Wars, which is what happens when Stark Tech falls into the wrong hands. Starring Don Cheadle as James Rhodes, coming back as War Machine for this show. I wouldn't be surprised if Riri Williams showed up in the show, too, just because of the whole armor wars. I really hope that Sam Rockwell comes back, too, as um, Justin Hammer from Iron Man 2. I think I think he would be a good addition to this plot and the show and would add a lot to this as well. Next up, Guardians of the Galaxy is bringing a holiday special to Disney+. Plus. Hopefully it's better than the Star Wars holiday special (laughs) that everyone loves to forget. It should be, though, because it's both written and directed by James Gunn. It's not only going to be filmed at the same time as Guardians 3, but it will also tie into that movie as well. Guardians 3 is projected to come out in 2023. This holiday special is supposed to come out the Christmas before. I Am Groot is an animated Disney Plus shorts featuring Baby Groot coming to Disney Plus. Thor Love and Thunder is projected to come out on May 6, 2022. The big news that they announced with this is Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher. Probably the coolest newer Thor villain to show up in recent history. Hey, you know how you love Christian Bale as a super badass Batman? Now we're going to introduce him as the guy who murders all the gods. Yep. I am trying to be cautious about my excitement for Gore the God Butcher because I know a lot of people loved Thor Ragnarok but my expectations for that movie did not live up to what we got. Same. And with the same creative team coming back as Taika Waititi writing and directing, I know my feelings towards Gore the God Butcher in the comics, and I'm trying to put those feelings aside now because I know we're going to get something completely different in this movie. I just hope they really take a little bit off of the the comedy pedal for this movie. Thor Ragnarok just felt like a comedy movie from start to finish. 
I hope they get a little more serious. I mean, the fact that you're bringing back all of your Thor characters from Ragnarok, you're also introducing Guardians of the Galaxy characters in this movie, and you're bringing in a brand new story arc of Jane Foster, Natalie Portman as Lady Thor. There's a lot, a lot of really good pieces in going into this movie. I really think Takiwa Titi needs to take take his foot off the comedy gas at least 20 to 50% and really give us a serious movie with all these characters and the development that that can go into it. Especially with the mighty Thor. I don't want to get very spoiler here for people who don't know, but she does have a very dramatic storyline that I don't want to be taken lightly with comedy. Absolutely not. How can you? Like, you can't force that through. So, I mean, maybe that's some hopeless optimism that we see something more serious. But after Ragnarok, who knows? I mean, the big script flipped from Thor 2 to Thor 3 was insane, the change. So who knows? Maybe they flipped it the other way. Only time will tell, I guess. Only time will tell. The news gets bigger from the uh, Christian Bale announcements as we head into Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. Not only is the original cast coming back with Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, but we have a new casting of Cassie Lang, who is Scott Lang's daughter. Who is like 16 now. Yes. Catherine Newton is going to be the new actress to play Cassie Lang. So not the actress they had in Endgame, but now oh. this new one. And the biggest news to come out of this was Kang the Conqueror, who's going to be played by Jonathan Majors. If you are a casual MCU fan, you're going to be like, oh, cool, character I don't know. If you are a Marvel Comics fan, this news is huge. Because Kang the Conqueror is one of the biggest villains for the Avengers. He immediately, out of the gate, could be a Thanos-level threat to the Avengers. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to use him in Quantumanium. I know we saw in Iron Man 3, the Mandarin, the Mandolin, whatever you want to call him, kind of wasted, and he's a huge Iron Man villain. I would hate to see the same road for Kang the Conqueror because he is a huge Marvel daddy, and I think he could be the guy who could set the stage for Phase 4. Between him and the last bit of news that I'm going to announce, there's... One more story before the last bit, but with the last bit, there are two characters that could have a big impact as far as villains go for the MCU. Moving out of Ant-Man news into Black Panther 2, Kevin Feige did confirm that they are not recasting T'Challa. So Chadwick Boseman, to honor his legacy that he brought to the character, they are going to move forward with the Black Panther universe uh, without T'Challa. They have not announced really anything more than that other than there's a projected release date of July 8th, 2022. And the last and probably biggest news is Fantastic Four is coming. Fantastic Four is coming at some point. There's no release date yet announced. No casting was announced. They did announce that John Watts who directed both Homecoming and Far From Home, 
is going to be helming the Fantastic Four. Now, with Spider-Man, the next Spider-Man movie being tied to the Multiverse of Madness, how crazy would it be if we got the introduction of the Fantastic Four at the end of that movie into now this new Fantastic Four movie? Since it's the same director. I'm just excited to see them finally coming home. You know, the news of the properties being brought bought and brought back to Marvel to Disney was so exciting and now knowing that there's a movie on the horizon it's just it's so exciting with with Fantastic Four you also have to think that Doctor Doom then is coming and Doctor Doom and Kang the Conqueror are arguably Marvel's two biggest villains so not only are they like two of the most powerful villains but they also have had to team up a few times in the books mm-hmm. as well so if Kang does make it out of Ant-Man and the Wasp 3 and there was a team up of those two that could be your next big that you're working up to mm-hmm. after Thanos all I have to say is my fan casting is John Krasinski and Emily Blunt as Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And I'll leave that out there. Everybody else, it's fine. You can cast whoever you want, but that would be really sweet. And that is all of the news. That's all the news. Brian, I think you're forgetting something. Something very important. Something very vital to the Midwester part of our title and that is we got a quick slide into the Chadillac checkdown folks we only got to talk about one thing one huge thing and it's loyalty Giannis Attentacumpo signed a five year I think 228 and a half million dollar contract to stay in Milwaukee to stay with the Bucks, The pieces are coming together. They bring in Jeru Holiday on trade. They're signing guys left and right. There's rumors for a handful of other players. Fear the deer. We're going to make this a short and sweet Chadillac checkdown. Giannis signing this contract with the trades we're making, with the signings we're making. This is the year of the deer. Check your Chinese calendar and black out whatever animal was supposed to be because this is the year of the deer. And that is your short but sweet Chadillac Checkdown. <laughs> All right, guys, you got a lot of news this week. You got a lot of stuff. It is getting late into the evening, as it always is. Let me run it down for you one more time. We are your Midwesterners. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. We are at Midwesterners on Twitter and Instagram at Gmail the Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook. We are on tons of different streaming sites. Anchor says it's seven. I'm pretty sure it's eight or nine. Please remember to rate and review us. And reach out to us, too. We threw a lot of information at you this episode. A lot of news. If there's more that you want to know, that we might be able to give you the answers to, please reach out, ask us those questions, and we will do everything that we can to get those answers to you, especially about all the Marvel, all the Star Wars, 
all the good things that Disney is bringing to us. We're very passionate about it, and we'll be more than happy to look up those answers for those questions that you may have if you reach out to us. Help us to help you. Yeah. We're here to help. Because the part of Midwestern nerds is Midwest. And we're such polite and helpful people in the Midwest, don't you know? And for those Midwestern nerds, I am Chad Coffin. And I'm Brian Stoffel. And whether it's beer brats, comics, or pops, keep it nerdy. nerdy.